every morning and every evening we would call in three or four decent bulls that that were shooters and and um uh, the closest we could ever get them was eighty to a hundred yards and and we needed to get them to close that distance a little bit closer and the country we were hunting was a little bit more open, so you know it was hard to get concealed um in the timber and and uh the they the elk could could see pretty good as they were coming in and, and, uh, you know, through all the timber and stuff. And I said, told my buddy, I said, man, we need a, we need a decoy that we can pack clear back into these, these mountains and stuff and to, to help close the distance. And Camel boots it, on my feet, bow in my hand, walking in the early dawn to climb Hey, Redbone, did you hear about that new deer feed? What new deer feed? Hey, Buck Grits, boys, you ain't heard of that yet? Buck Grits? BuckGrits.com. Well, tell us about it. What makes it better than any other deer feed? Well, Buck Grits has got the protein a deer needs. It's got the fat a deer needs. It's got the amino acids. It's got the energy. It's got it all, brother. It's going to well, bring them back after the rut, and it's going to put a rack on their head. And it's going to help the lactate and doe, I assume, too, after they have the fawns. That's right. Keep the fawns going and get them for the next crop. Well, where can I get Buck Grits? buckgrits.com you can get a sample you can order it directly from the website and we're coming to a retailer near you if you want to help a deer herd use buck grits hunting off the farm wishing on some love i've been on a big board for a while like to load him in the back of my truck we can take it to a holler wise eye buck grits amped outdoors eagle seed apex ammunition Brings you American Roots Outdoors. We're calling from the studio. Talking from the studio, not calling. Hey, who are you calling? <laughs> I heard my calling. <laughs> who are you calling? We are getting bombarded with a rainstorm right now, everybody. We've had over two inches of rain in Birch Tree, Missouri. And as we driving south here to the studio, the, the skies was clearing up. Yeah, finally, nice to see blue skies coming in. Yeah, and this clarified that we're recording on Wednesday afternoon. Oh, yes. yes. So, people, yeah. so people listening Friday afternoon or Saturday yeah. morning, what in the world? It's not raining. <laughs> it might be. But anyway. No, not uh, this weekend. Sunshine in mid-60s this weekend. Yeah, it's supposed to be. Yep. Bass Pro Shop's got their big 50th anniversary spring fishing fair going on right now. And uh, we just came back from Florida with Lizzie Long last week down there turkey hunting with her. Called in uh, a group of three long beards, three jakes, two hens, and another single gobbler and a hen. She had a swing and a miss, and what a beautiful time. And I want to thank Lizzie and Sea Daddy for having me to go with them and film them and call with them. And a great time. We got to eat seafood and got to see some beautiful weather. I eat seafood all the time. Yeah. Every, I see you eat everything you eat see. It. I eat yeah. whatever I see. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you mentioned the Bass Pro Shop fishing thing going on this weekend. I would not want to go to Springfield this weekend. No way in the world am I going to Springfield. Yeah. They're expecting a half a million people to attend that thing. Yeah. Well, the entire population of Springfield is only about a half a million people. <laughs> done double in size. <laughs> I mean, they've got shuttles set up all over town for people to go park somewhere and then be shuttled over. Did you see Lee Greenwood singing uh, the night yesterday evening? I guess uh, singing. No, that was on Tuesday night. They moved yeah, the yeah. grand opening to Tuesday okay. because of the weather today. It was supposed to be yeah. Wednesday today, yeah. but right. Yeah. But, it's a, but it's a great event, and all the proceeds go into conservation. Yeah, yeah. 
Yep. Well, that's a great event. Uh, anything we can do outdoors creates uh, uh, sales and gets people outside and supports the outdoor industry, and that's what we need to be doing. Yep. That being said, turkey season is just around the corner for a lot of southern states and other states as well. Uh, we've got a great subject matter for you, topic, uh, which is decoying turkeys. And we've got the inventor and founder of Montana Decoys, Mr. Jerry McPherson, who's going to join us today. He'll be calling from Montana, Redbone. Okay. So I guess hence the name Montana Decoys. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really neat. If y'all haven't seen the Montana decoys, the Montana decoy is the actual photo of a turkey or deer or elk mm-hmm. or predators that has a wire frame that you can twist and roll up and make it small and compact. It looks so real. I, I can't tell you how many turkeys I've fooled with the Montana decoys. And I like packing the Montana decoys over a lot of the hard bodies because it's less you know, that you have to worry about carrying. Well, and it, it only makes sense that if you can do a high-quality photo, uh, that it would be just a whole lot better than, you know, doing something made out of plastic. Yeah, you know, three-dimensional. Yeah. yeah, it looks real. The thing is, some people say, well, what happens if the turkey goes past the decoy or the deer? Well, it, the, the, that animal thinks it disappeared. Where did it go? Yeah. And it creates more curiosity. So what the, the deer or turkey will do, it'll go ahead and continue to do the 360-degree circle. Yeah. Then it catches vision of it again. Now, imagine if you got your decoy set in front of you, and the turkey comes straight to the decoy, and all of a sudden he circles to the right. Then he loses it. It makes him want to come and go straight to the decoy without ever paying attention to your setup. So yeah. it's a great idea. And I use the strutter all the time. I carry it with me. And it's really neat. When you flip it out, it just one second. And there it's it is. there. And you got to stake it and put it in the ground, and, and the wind will make it move. Yeah, there you go. It's pretty neat. And they got hen decoys feeding upright. It's very affordable decoys, too. Uh, if you want to travel light and you want to fool some gobblers, man, you got to use these Montanas, and we've used them for years. And, and we'll talk more about that with, with uh, Mr. McPherson. But yeah. uh, do they have pictures on both sides? Both sides. Yeah, there you go. Both sides. Let's change the subject a little bit before we go to our second segment coming up. What about the St. Louis Cardinals, man? They get P.O.'s back. Yeah. They, they Arenado, man, he's a big stick right now. He's he's jacking some out. You know, again, we're recording on Wednesday. Cardinals scored 29 runs today. They beat the Nationals 29 to 8. Oh, my goodness. So is that like 50 runs in the last three days? No, the Royals scored 30 in two days. Oh, that's what it was. Royals, okay. uh, Monday and Tuesday. And they were getting beat today 6 to nothing. But but, uh, what I wanted to say was Pujols had a hit, but Paul Goldsmith and Paul DeJong are both hitting over 500 in the spring. Oh, my Oh, my. Cardinals are going to be good, everybody. And what about the Chiefs? If they can pitch. The Chiefs. They're going to be good, too. They're already good. Yeah. The Chiefs of recruiting and signing on people like Juju. Juju, And they got rid of Tyreek Hill. I couldn't believe that. Well, they they didn't. I don't know. Personally, I don't think think they did themselves favor with Juju. He's been hurt for two years. He really, was, yeah, he was not doing much for Steelers to begin with. Was, there was no loss for them letting him go. Steelers got some young talent right. in right now, but um, I was still I'm shocked with what happened with um, Tyreek Hill. But then again, 
Tyreek has a history, and the history well, kind of reared its ugly head. It's business. He wanted yeah. he wanted number one money. He wanted $30 million a year. Well, yeah, you yeah. can't blame and him. And Chief said, no, not right. when we can get five draft picks for you. Right. <laughs> I mean, they're going to have two picks in the first round. Yeah. And there's going to be some good receivers coming out this year. Quarterback, yeah. not so much this year, but receivers, it looks like a good crop. Yeah, a good crop. I think we're going to look good here in the Midwest. That's what I think for yeah. baseball and NFL football. And our college team is going to be pretty good, too. Everybody, you're listening to American Roots Outdoors with Wayne Locke, Redbone Mike Crace, Alex Rutledge. We are in the studio. And again, we've got Mr. Jerry McPherson calling in and going to talk to us about Montana decoys. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more right after this. Hey, y'all, it's Tyler Farr, and you're listening to my good buddy, Mr. Alex Rutledge on American Roots Outdoors. Wishing on some love. I've been on Redbone, what would you say if I could tell you that you could kill a buck on a certain day? I would say you're crazy. There's no way to predict how the bucks are going to move. Well, you're wrong. There's a new camera out called Wise Eye Technologies. These guys can predict the actual deer movement exact time that a deer is going to come through. Really? Wise Eye Technology? This camera has five megapixel pictures, has a GPS system built inside, and it's an experience using this camera. It collects data and tells you the movement, wind direction, everything. On a camera? On a camera. WiseEyeTechnologies.com. And how do I find out more information about these guys? You go to WiseEyeSmartCam.com. I'm using them. You should, too. Make your hunt easier. Use Wise Eye. Up a big old hill. Year after year. Got my hunting gear. Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors in the studio with Redbone Mike Crace, Wayne Locke, wearing his American Roots apparel, and uh, he's swagging it out here. And again, our subject matter is turkey decoys, and we've got special guest on the phone, Mr. Jerry McPherson, the inventor of Montana decoys. And guys, if you haven't seen the Montana decoys, you're you're snoozing and you're losing. I've been using them for many years, and I can't tell you how many gobblers I have fooled with the Montana decoys. And on the line is Mr. Jerry McPherson. Welcome to the show, Jerry. Hey, guys. How are you all doing? Doing good. Now, where are you calling from, Montana? Yes, sir. Um, we're in, actually in Coal Strip, Montana. Uh, it's pretty much south and east of Billings. Okay. So we're, we're uh, yeah, um, got a lot of rolling hills and, and a few mountains around, uh, lots of timber and stuff, and, of course, the, the good old Merriam Gobblers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll be right. I'll be, I'll be right out there. <laughs> We're away, buddy. <laughs> that's that's one of the only ones I ain't got yet. I got my my uh, Osceola and my Eastern. I need a I need one of those. You need too. a Rio. I need a Rio too. Yeah, yeah you got Rio in the Merriams. Yeah, we'll get it. Yeah. Oh yeah. So tell us what's yeah. your weather doing right now, and what's the temperature? Actually, it's a, a beautiful day. We hit about fifty today. Um, we had a little bit of rain and snow yesterday and and uh cleared up and pretty nice today we are a little bit behind on moisture on our end of the state but hopefully april will bring us some good showers so yeah well, we're getting it yeah. right now we're getting it we can send some to him yeah we probably we'll, could we'll bottle it and send yeah. it yeah <laughs> put it in a tank yeah <laughs> there you go there you go who is Jerry McPherson? Let's tell all of our listeners who Jerry McPherson is. Where was you born, Jerry? 
actually born and raised here in Montana, uh, a little bit more on the western side of the state in Livingston. But, um, yep, grew up here. Um, my folks, uh, my dad traveled around with road construction, building bridges and stuff. And we so we kind of traveled around the state quite a bit and then ended up settling here in Coal Strip way back in the day. Um, I started fifth grade here and, and uh, grew up and went through school and, and pretty much been here most all my life. Traveled a little bit around with construction and stuff after I got out of school, but uh, come back and, and worked at a power plant here. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so, no, it's so. a great place to raise a family and, and oh, uh, lots of things to do. And, and our, our town size is about 2,500. Uh, so it's, the right size for getting to know everybody and and uh, mm-hmm. having lots of friends and neighbors. Yeah. Now, is Montana the town you live in? Is it a patriot town or is it a liberal town? Um, boy, I'm not 100 percent sure on that one. So I gather you don't pay much attention to politics, which is good. Yeah, you know we do. It's it's kind of a big mix. You know, there's. There's a lot of uh, labor force here with the mines and, and the mm-hmm. car plant and stuff, and um, so yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of a mix, I guess. Yeah, fifty fifty. Yeah. Okay, I got you. So it makes the world go round. That's right. Everybody's <laughs> yeah. entitled to the way they want to believe and vote, whatever. Yeah. So so tell us this: you're married, you got children. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Yep. Um, Married my uh, wife just shortly out of high school, and, and uh, she would moved here with her family, and she's from Montana also, the western part of the state, and, and uh, we met and, and hit it off and ended up getting married, and had I have we have one daughter, uh, her name's Ashley, and, and she grew up here and went through high school and then done some college, and basically had come back and went to work for me in, in the marketing side and, and helping Beautiful. us out with Montana decoy. Beautiful. We, and so that was great. Yeah. And Jerry, you and I, Jerry, you and I have known each other for how many years now? Have you thought about that? Oh man, <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing a clear back early shoot 2000. Yeah. When you first least, started your business. Yeah. Your yeah. First year. You know, we got started in 1998 and uh, I think attended the first ATA trade show. Yep. Geez, in 2000, and I'm thinking that's when we pretty much met. Wasn't it, it was. Yep. I think it was in Indianapolis, wasn't it? Yep. 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 It was. Yeah. It was. So anyway, pretty crazy. Uh, yeah, it is. It's real crazy. So tell us, uh, uh, Jerry, your your dad and mom. Your dad was construction worker too, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. Um. And and we had. Uh, we were, like I said, traveled around the state quite a bit um, to different construction jobs and then settled here fairly early on while I was in uh, fifth grade and, and uh, worked, dad had worked here for a few years and then ended up deciding this was the place to stay and went to work for the mine and uh-huh. uh, and actually retired from that. But um, yeah, so once we got the... the uh, decoy business rolling. Uh, my mom was a, a big help with that, and I know you had met her also at some of the shows. And yes, stuff, and she loved yes, sweetie. Out with, uh, yeah. 
Good doing the books and, and helping out with all aspects of putting decoys together when we were first getting started and, and, uh, and doing a lot of sewing and helping out on that side of it. That's awesome. Yeah, so I know it's been a, a yeah. great family business. Everybody's been heavily Part involved with it. Yeah. So tell us real quick here, uh, did you play high school sports at all? Yes, I did, actually. Um, did did basketball and football through through high school, and then uh, in, in, in the summers did quite a bit of baseball. Um, and after graduating, uh, uh, got to playing softball quite a bit, mm-hmm. and so that was one of the one of the more favorite pastimes. That's after awesome. High school, that, you know, playing that yeah, softball. Yeah, playing that softball after you get out of school, that, that's a good way to extend your athletic career and, and ruin your knees. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're a catcher. Yeah, a catcher. Yeah. Oh, man. I played until yeah. I was 40, and I haven't played a day since. Oh, no kidding. No yeah. kidding. So, so yeah, that's, that's for sure. I, I do miss it. You see some of those kids getting out there and playing. You want to get out there and go hit a few balls and run around with them, but... Uh, I, I know how that ends up. Yeah, absolutely. It ends up uh, making you sore the next day. Yeah. Yeah. I, hey, I know we're going to get ready to get on a subject here that's going to be more than a minute long. So when we come back, we're going to talk to you about your first turkey, your your first outing, and how uh, this all got started. But uh, you're listening to American Roots with Alex Rutledge and friends. We'll be right back after this. Hi, everybody. This is Aaron Tippin, and you're listening to my old buddy, Alex Rutledge, with American Roots Outdoors. Up a big old hill Year after year Got my hunting gear How many of you are tired of your batteries running out of energy, out of power? Let me tell you about Amped Outdoors. I've changed using the batteries I have had in the past. Amped Outdoors, I have the new 80 amp, 24 volt, single battery, weighs 46 pounds. This thing has produced energy all day long. Tested for two days, total use 11 hours. Cannot tell the batteries have even lost any energy. Go to Amped Outdoors if you want to be successful and not run out of power. Pair of hunting boots, passed on down, planted deep in the ground, around your heart. Apex Ammunition presents... Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors. We're calling and talking turkey hunting with Mr. Jerry McPherson. Turkey Decoys, the inventor and founder of Montana Decoys. And we took, before we went to the break, Wayne was going to ask him a question about his first turkey. Yeah, and, and actually, on top of that, I, I want to say you, it seems to be a pattern every time we have a guest on. Like, what did your parents do? It's, yeah. It always seems to be... Mom would stay home, took yeah. care of the kids. Dad was either, you know, agriculture, farming, or yeah, construction. construction or something. That seems to be like the top three things. One of these days, we're going to get a guest where it says, my mom went out and did the construction work, and Dad stayed home and cooked for us. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that day is going to come anytime soon, but one day I think we're going to we're going to hold out for that. Yeah, well, that, that guest will be in their 20s. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's we, just true. Don't want, we just don't want to hear somebody uh, saying that, they're, that there's somebody wanting to become a woman swimmer near a male. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah. We, when we left off, we were talking. We we're getting ready to talk about your first turkey, and if you recall that, how old were you? Where were you at? And how did it all go down? Yeah, who took you turkey hunting your first time? Yeah, your roots. Actually, you know, I uh, my my dad did 
do a, a fair amount of hunting, hunting when he, in his younger days and stuff. And, and, uh, he took us out, um, uh, quite a bit. We didn't do a lot of turkey hunting cause we didn't have too many in the area that we was in. And, and, uh, um, until, geez, it was a little bit later in the years. I think I was a teenager. I remember going out on my first turkey hunt and I basically had gone out by myself cause I'd, I'd found a group of them and, and decided it was time to go, go mess with them. And, and, uh, and this was in the spring. We have a fall and a turkey or spring turkey season. And, and of course this was in the spring when they were strutting and doing their thing. And, and, uh, I ended up picking up a box call at one of the hardware stores that was selling sporting goods and, and played with it a little bit. And, and, uh, so anyway, got out and, um, got in as close as I, I, I'd spotted them and got in as close as I could, which was several hundred yards away and, and set up and started going to town on, on the box call. And sure enough, I got, uh, one of the two year olds, you know, the short two inch beard come strutting all the way in and, uh, got him into like 25 yards and, and blasted him. And that was the, the very first time out. And I, figured geez this is that was a kick and it was super easy and i, I think it was just beginner's luck because every time after that it never worked i say you never hear that out of a turkey hunter's mouth this was super easy although you know there are a lot of turkey, there are a lot of turkey hunters that tell us their initial bird was pretty easy and then after that and then it got easy and it got harder after, after that, that yeah, right. I don't know why that is but it seems like we have a lot I of people know. on I, I don't know what what happened with all that. I guess it was just beginner's luck because you do definitely you hear that story from a lot of other people. Yeah, right. Now I know. And I don't, go ahead. I don't know if I'd, I've made it more complicated after you know the years after that, or it was a little bit tougher to do. But but uh, yeah, no, it was it was a great experience for the first time. Now I know the uh, Montana decoys makes turkey decoys, but that actually isn't what. Turkey hunting isn't what got you into creating the Montana decoy, is it? No. Um, actually, uh, how we kind of got started, I was hunting with a buddy of mine um, that I've been hunting with for years uh, over in the western part of the state, up in the mountains. And, and we had a, a spot that we'd hike back into that was, it was over four miles anyway, that we'd hike into every day and then spend the day and then basically hike back out. And it was a great area, and and, and uh, this was archery hunting, of course. And and every morning and every evening, we would call in three or four decent bulls that that were shooters, and and um, uh, the closest we could ever get them was eighty to one hundred yards, and and we needed to get them to close that distance a little bit closer. And the country we were hunting was a little bit more open, so you know it was hard to get concealed. Um, in the timber, and, and uh, they, the elk could could see pretty good as they were coming in, and, and uh, you know through all the timber and stuff. And I said, told my buddy, I said, man, we need a we need a decoy that we can pack clear back into these these mountains and stuff, and to to help close the distance. And that's kind of how it how it come about and got started. Um, one of the days we were we were hiking out and I got to thinking about it, um, how we could possibly put something together, put, print it on fabric and, and, uh, either roll it up or needed a frame to hold it, 
pulled it out and, mm-hmm. and uh, um, basically come up with the spring spring steel band system. And, and uh, we actually, when we got back to camp and, and left uh, for the week, I had had purchased a uh, uh, a bandsaw blade because that was something that I'd learned about working in the meat shop in my high school days. And, and um, anyway, ground the teeth off of it, wrapped it in fabric and, and the shape of the body of an elk and, and spray painted it and attached a chunk of cardboard <laughs> as a head to it and spray painted that and took it back into the hills the next weekend. And, and uh, sure enough, we called a couple of spikes up and they come right in <laughs> Nice. And it was just so shocking Pretty that, slick. that some, something that ridiculously looking, it worked so well. So that was kind of the start of the whole, well, whole and that, decoy process. Right, and that revolutionized uh, decoys, especially up in the mountains and that, because you weren't going to take a life-size yeah. plastic decoy yeah. and hike it, you know, five miles into the mountains to call an elk in. So you, you pretty much changed the industry from that point on. You bet, you bet, you know, and that's, we we already pack enough gear as it is, as you also getting back into the hills, all the, with your pack and stuff, and, and you needed something that only weighed a pound or two to, to get back in there, and it was easy to set up, so. Yeah, Jerry, how, I'm interested, how long was it uh, from the time that you, you had this idea and, and created this prototype and took it out and discovered that it worked until you went commercial, until you hit the market and started producing the decoys for other people. It it definitely took some time. Um, you know, we uh, we had had refined you know the spring steel band and, and getting that kind of materials put together. The biggest challenge with all of it at the time was the printing actually, and and uh, finding putting together a good picture that you could blow up large enough and do the printing. And we started off with uh, a screen printing process and it, it was just okay of print quality. And, and uh, so it, we, we had actually found a company that um, had done, it was in it, that technology was just starting out was the dye sublimation. And so we started working with that. Um, right away, and it ended up taking um, two years before we got everything refined to where you know we could get a decent printed product and using the spring steel band and and putting all the pieces together to to make it work. So that it was the the fall of 1996 when when uh, we tested out our first spray painted um, <laughs> prototype, and and it was in 1998 before we actually launched the first first set of details. That is awesome. Save your rest of your thoughts. We're going to go to a break. We come back. we got the fourth segment of our show, which will be the conclusion of the radio show. Then we have the bonus segment after that for the podcast. You're listening to American Roots Outdoors right here, right now. And our special guest is Mr. Jerry McPherson of Montana Decoys. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more after this. Hey, this is Eddie Salter, and you listen to American Roots and Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. Around your heart, so you never gotta worry what the wind might do. American Roots. 
Hey, turkey hunters, this is Alex Rutledge. Have you heard about Apex Ammunition? If you haven't, they are American-owned, American-made, made one at a time, hand-loaded. These turkey loads will give you the confidence that you need to close the deal on that old hook daddy long beard gobbler. For more information, go to www.apexammunition.com. Amped Outdoors and Neutral Plot presents American Roots Outdoors, the fourth segment of the show. And again, our special guest, Mr. Jerry McPherson of Montana Decoys, Redbone, Wayne, what a cool American Roots story of creating a nationally known product like the Montana Decoy. Yeah, kind of living the American dream. I mean, that, that is the great American story right there. Yeah, he, he worked in a meat processing plant and seen that flexible blade or whatever, and he took that idea thought, man, if I could stretch material over this I and a put a real photo of a turkey or elk or deer on this, and now he's a million-dollar company. Right, and he was talking about the process of how he started from spray paint to yeah. the, the screen printing and that, and I, I'm thinking to myself in my head when he's telling the story, I'm like, I wonder if in the beginning, like he was only getting, he said he had a couple spikes come in. I wonder if it's because the bulls, the big bulls were over there looking at that, that decoy going, man, that's a homely-looking cow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want nothing to do with She's that, bro. I want man. nothing to do with She's that girl. <laughs> Don't go over there. She's got a big butt. <laughs> and then as the printing got better, the bulls got bigger. <laughs> but anyway, man, it's, it's great to have you on the show. I got a question for you here. Thank you. Uh, what's some of the things we need to keep in mind for safety? Uh, using decoy let's touch on that then i want to ask you what is one of your most memorable hunts with the montana decoys so safety first what kind of tips have you got for all of our listeners when using decoys you bet you bet that's definitely a a big concern of mine all the time and and we try to stress you know the, the best techniques for for using them um one of the things that, you know, if you're hunting in a public area, if you know that there's not other hunters on private ground or, or mm-hmm. whatever, then you don't have to worry about it quite so much. But still, there's poachers out there, too, that oh, yeah. I think you got to be aware of, even if you're on hunting private ground. But I always try to set the decoys up. Um, of course, you usually want to try to, if you're archery hunting, set it up behind you um, and then off to the side to where... If somebody does happen to take a shot at it or whatever, you're kind of clear of that area. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, get it set off off to the side of you to where, you know, and, and that's some of my setups. I, I usually try to get it set up 20 or 30 yards behind me, the decoy, and a little bit off to the side and and then work whatever. If you're working a bull or a, a buck coming in, they're, they're going past you to looking at the decoy, so it's get, getting you the opportunity. Um, and, and same thing with the turkeys, you know. Even a lot of the times I'll be maybe fanning the decoy, but fanning, you know, reaching out and fanning it off to the side of you and not, trying not to hide directly behind it. And that's kind of some of the key. Yeah, kind of stay, stay out of the line of sight, I guess, would be the... The simple way to put it. Just make sure that you're not in the yep. line of sight. 
You bet. When I set decoys up, if I may share one of my strategies for safety, when I set decoys up using turkey, uh, touch it, which we're talking turkey, uh, I set a strutter and a hen in front of me. What I like to do is be able to see at least 100 yards beyond that to my left and to the right and beyond that. That way, if an approaching hunter comes towards you, you can yell out a name. Don't ever whistle and wave your hand or make a turkey sound. Move your hand like a turkey head gobble and get you shot. But uh, being funny there, but, you know, just use common sense. Another thing I like to do, if you can carry some orange ribbons with you and tie it above your head on a tree behind you, and they'll see that orange ribbon. Uh, and a lot of times it doesn't affect the turkeys or the deer. So something to keep in mind. Yeah, so. Nope, those are some great, great tips also. Yeah, so so what's your most memorable turkey hunt using a Montana decoy? Share one or two with us real quick. Oh, man, I I do have a good one. Um, My daughter, with my daughter, we have a a grandson and a granddaughter, and so I've been anxious to be able to get him out, and he's, he's actually uh 11 this year and the first time i got to take him out he was at six age six and and um i was pretty excited about i actually got to take him and my my dad and we got out into out in the hills out out on this one place that had a lot of turkeys and stuff and it it was pretty um a lot of pine timber and stuff and and we'd heard some gobbling going on so i said let's get set up here and and got all set up, and of course the grandson, his name is Knox, was sitting with my dad off to the side of me, probably about 15 yards or so, and and, and we got the decoy set up down the hill a little ways, and in front of us uh, it was our our uh, Miss Perfect decoy, the hen decoy, and and it was pretty good timber. I couldn't see, but probably I could see probably about a hundred yards, and I think this. This gobbler that we heard was a couple hundred yards out. And anyways, got all set up and got him situated and was really stressing to be quiet because when they're coming in and don't move to the ground to Knox, that, you know, when they're coming in because they'll see you and spook. And and that was one of the bigger challenges, bringing, <laughs> bringing this Tom in. And we, I kept, I'd done some calling, got him coming. Finally appeared through the trees and he was in full strut, just kind of working back and forth. And and uh, I kept doing some hen hen calls and and he was slowly working his way in. And and Knox was saying, "Grandpa, Grandpa, look, he's coming!" You know, and just I knew the turkey could hear it. I kept going, "Grandpa, he's coming! Look!" (laughs) Right, and. and it, and it worked out. I, I couldn't believe he worked. Come all the way up to the decoy, and I actually had a camera off to the side of me too, and was doing a little bit of filming. And, and he uh, he'd come all the way up to the decoy, and and uh, was strutting right next to it. And he come up and bumped his fan against the decoy, oh, which wow. was pretty cool to see. Yeah. And, and I ended up shooting him, and, and uh, um, I jumped up and. And he was over there flopping. He said, Grandpa, or Knox says, Grandpa, good job. You got him. And he says, but he's still alive. And, and of course, uh, I had Knox carrying his BB gun with him. And, and he ran up there and shot it with his BB gun. Just a I, love, I love it. I love it. It's in his roots, man. It's in his roots. Yeah. What a wonderful yeah. story. What a wonderful story. Yeah. And a great memory made uh, with father, son, and son. 
guys. You know, we we hate to say this, but we got to wrap up the show here. We got about twenty seconds left, one minute. But uh, man, what a great story! What a great time we've had with you, you. and and the great information you shared with all of our listeners all over the world. We air in nineteen countries, and. the turkey hunters here in, in the Midwest definitely know who Montana decoys are, and we're going to push them hard for you, and we're glad to work with you guys, and we'll promote you here for the next couple of months. And if you want to be – people well, want awesome. to uh, to follow you, how can they follow Montana decoys, or how can they purchase them or become a dealer? Tell us that real quick. You bet. You bet. Um, we got lots of retail outlets that are carrying them. Um, also, you can follow us on – on Facebook and Instagram, of course, and and we do have the website of MontanaDecoy.com, and we can help steer you in the right direction also um, to, to find them at some of the local retailers and yeah. and all that. But um, you bet, uh, just MontanaDecoy.com, and you can get a hold of any, any of us. On, awesome, awesome. I'm going to close with Bible up. Scripture real quick. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord. With all thine heart, lean not into thy own understanding, and acknowledge him in all thy ways, and he will direct thy paths. Thank you for being on the show with us. And share the outdoors with somebody you love, Wayne. Yep, exactly. And, folks, just because the radio show is ending now doesn't mean that this show is ending. So make sure you jump over to the podcast, listen to the bonus segment. If you missed any of the radio show in the beginning or middle, just head over to the podcast. You'll catch the whole radio show plus the bonus segment. And real quickly, our Apex winner this week is for Eric Moreland from Arkansas. Is the Eric a- Moorhead? Eric Moorhead. I asked Moreland. Uh, Eric I was, was aggravating yeah. tapping the table because Wayne. No, I'm, I'm, the I'm table. looking at half my thing here with the microphone in the way. But uh, Eric uh, Moorhead is the winner from Arkansas. Congratulations, the Eric. Winner. Yep. And uh, uh, folks, to listen more, we're going to your give away podcast. a Montana decoy too for the next show. The next show. That yep. Yeah. We'll give details yeah, on that in the uh, in the podcast bonus segment. All right, folks. That's going to wrap it up. Yeah. When your roots run yeah. deep and strong, there is no, no reason to fear the wind. So you never gotta worry what the wind might do. Amped Outdoors presents our American Roots Outdoors bonus segment. And Wayne Locke is the master behind the bonus segment. Again, we got Jerry McPherson, the inventor and founder of Montana Decoys. And what, again, what great story he has shared with us on how he came up with the idea and the safety tips to share with all of our listeners, man, that Montana Decoy is the way to go. It's, it's very affordable. Uh, you can, and it's a nationally known product. It's in every dealer, major dealer in, across the country. Right. And, and uh, one of the things that you always hear questions about people when you talk about the Montana Decoy is, you know, is it going to work? It's flat. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I don't understand the concept. You know, they're, they're going to know it's not what real. The turkey goes around it. Right. And his story, the last story he told with his grandson, that kind of explained. I mean, that turkey walked right up to it, bumped it, and it wasn't afraid that it wasn't a three-dimensional, you know, uh, turkey decoy. I mean, Redbone, what do you think? You know, I'm, th- I'm thinking this relates to a story in one of my all-time favorite movies, Jeremiah Johnson, when they were going on a hunt for him, if they were hunting a deer or what. And, and he says... <laughs> Pilgrim, get behind your horse. And he says, well, won't the horse see my legs? And he said, he said, that elk don't know how many legs a horse has. And, and I, I think it's kind of the same principle. Right. When you think about it. Yeah. When you think about it. Yeah. 
I mean, how do you win people yeah. over when Jerry? How do you win people over when they tell you, "Well, is how is this really going to work? It's not a, a a decoy that they were used to for so many years." Sure, Yvette. No, uh, you know, one of the things when when you get the decoy set it up, the two dimensional decoy set up, uh, you can, of course, coming on it straight on, and you do want to try to get it the direction that you think that the the game is coming in but, um, you know, flat-sided to that direction. But you can actually see that, that have a good view of that decoy um, probably for 170 degrees from, from one side yeah. to the other, and you still have the, the decoy in view. It's when you get pretty much right in line with it that it mostly disappears. And, and, and you know, that's something else that I tell people, too, is... Um, that's not big of a concern, you know, take another decoy along and set it up at a little bit different angle. And, and, uh, um, then, then you're covering all directions. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and one of the things with, with that is when, when the, the game actually comes all the way up to the decoy, it's done its job, you know, yeah. pretty much it. Yeah. You brought it in to as close enough as you can for the shooting range and, 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 uh, um, it's done its job, then. Well, I, I, I was going to say, I would think that would actually be better, you know, being the fact that as it gets to the side that it starts to disappear or gets smaller because that, that Tom may look at that one and go, ooh, she must be on Weight Watchers. I'm going <laughs> <laughs> to walk she's, on into that. She's sexy. She's a model. Right. <laughs> she's a model. She's a model, man. Uh, her, her now, name, what, what, uh, I've, what I've come to realize, I'm being serious, come to realize when they get to the side of it, it's like it disappeared on them. Where did it go? And it creates yep. curiosity to go to the next level to continue to go ahead and make that 360-degree circle. Then when they catch vision of it again, and if it's a dominant gobbler uh, coming to the strutting decoy or the hen decoys, he proceeds to the decoy. Then he's got his back to you if you're hunting with a bow or a shotgun. Gives you the ability to raise the gun mm -hmm. with his focus looking straight away from you. Even though a turkey's got a 180-degree peripheral vision, almost 360. Right. But anyway. Well, and I would think that, that the time that would pass from the time they get to where they can't see it to where they see it again, if, it's, if it can be seen from 170 degrees, yeah. you've only got a split second before they're going to see it again. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's it really not much time at all. Well, another thing you can do, serious, buy more than one Montana decoy. <laughs> set one straight in front of you, set one to the right of it, one to the left of it, and one behind it, north, south, east, and west. you got four decoys right there. Then you never, they never lose focus if sure. you're concerned about it. Well, hopefully by the time they would even get close enough to see that it's oh, no longer there, yeah. the, the apex would have removed its head Boom. already. So, <laughs> apex head. Yeah. 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 Smoke. Smoke city. Yeah. And, and we do have uh, we do have the three-dimensional, uh, a hen and a jake decoy now that's a coil spring system that collapses down. Hmm. Um, hmm. I hope I get uh, that, that one. That works for and, and And this year we just, we, we had our uh, a Wiley Tom full strutting decoy that you can add feathers to. And just this year, we come out with uh, a body that attaches to it that also folds down. So it's Beautiful. kind of the first 
I hope you send that to me. Completely folding down. You bet. You bet. It's on its way to you. Awesome, yeah. man. Take care of us. He, he sent it a week ago. <laughs> no, he sent it today. But, but no, man, this, I'm excited. You know, again, I want to share one of my stories. I'll never forget I was hunting in Illinois with Timberland Outfitters. It was late season. All the gobblers got grouped back up. And I'll never forget Ben Platner saying, oh, I'm going to put you on some turkeys. There's a bunch of them over there. There's five or six of them. He said, they're hard to call, Alex. I said, okay. He didn't know I had the Montana strutter in my back of my vest because you can roll it up the size of a basketball, circumference of a basketball inside my vest. Well, these gobblers, I drug them off this hillside into a nice pasture road down there about 80 yards of me, and they hung up. And when they hung up, and I could tell they was all together, I thought, oh, okay. So I went, oh, oh, oh. I gobbled at them and took my Montana decoy and flipped it up at them. And as soon as they seen it, their heads, you thought their heads had turned blood red, and they all come to me. Hmm. As soon as they seen that decoy. And again, I was on private land. So there was no other hunters there, and I could see 200 yards to the east, west, and to the north of them. So... That pulling that Montana decoy out shows the gobbler's full three-dimensional head, body, tail fan, all of it. There's a lot of people out there saying, oh, I just carry a, a uh, fan with me whenever I'm turkey. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, again, we want to stress safety. Don't use that fan on around public land, around other hunters. The Montana decoy is way better than any fan. You bet. You bet. Great. Yeah, that's one of the things that I would say I agree with as far as safety is if you're on p- private land, you got way more um, liberty to do different yes. things, to yes. crawl out into the field, you know, have that decoy, hold it in your hand, and then you're shotgun in the other and just do your little army crawl in that. Um, public land, folks, we just we can't stress enough. Yeah. Please don't. I you know, say unless that. you know, unless like, like Jerry said earlier, unless yeah. you know, like, hey, I'm on, you know, forty thousand acres of public here. I'm the only car in the in a ten mile radius. Yeah. Well, you might be okay then. Yeah. But well, I want to share another yeah. deal with you guys. Uh, it, the, for the people that like to use a fan, the, the the new strut and decoy they got it flips out one second. Okay, and inside the fan, it's got a window you can look through that fan. If you hold it in front of you, if you're going to do the reap turkey reaping, we're not telling you to do it. But if you're on private land, you turkey reap, you can look through that fan as you're crawling or, or on your knees going to that gobbler. You see him without ever showing your body outline. Don't have to look around it. Right. And yeah, if, don't have to look around it and or over it. And if you've never turkey reaped, oh. <laughs> it is addictive. Hey, even, if you don't, say, even if you don't shoot one, just getting out there and watching them turkeys, the way they react. The first guys that ever done turkey reaping was from Paris, Tennessee, that area. Mm-hmm. is Michael, Michael Mason and Chris Smith. They created a decoy called the Van Dyke, and they take a fan, a hard body, a turkey's head, put a beard in it, and wing feathers, and put a little one-inch water pipe, and that's how they crawl out in the field and kill them. Well, we started doing it. NWTF got on to us and said, hey, we don't want bloodline. That's back in the day when I had bloodline. Quit doing that. We don't want to get people shot. So we, we started doing it in the early 90s or somewhere. No, it was 2010. That's right, okay. 2010. But these boys was doing it in the 90s. So uh, we just wanted to emphasize again for the fourth time, safety is more important than any aspect of any hunt. Do not be using decoys uh, in a dangerous situation like reaping on public land. Now, Jerry, before we get off of our uh, the bonus segment here, 
what is your favorite setup? Let's just touch base on that real quick, and then we're going to wrap the show really up. quick. Um, I I, uh, I I like using the uh, the fan. Uh, a lot of the areas that I am hunting is public, and and so I'm always kind of cautious. And like you said um, uh, about being able to see out a long ways and, and make sure that nobody else is going to be shooting at them, even though you could be in the line of fire a little bit. But I get them out set up out in front of me about 20 yards or more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like using the strutter over either one of our um, 3D hands bedded or standing up and kind of in the feeding position. Mm-hmm. And that seems to uh, that seems to get the, the gobblers fired up when they're coming in and Beautiful. wanting to come over and kick that Kick, kick the knock the his lung spot. loose. Yeah, knock his lung loose. That's it. Yeah, his yeah, liver. You bet. <laughs> Get that skinny girl. Get that skinny one. That's right. Wait, well, anyway, it's great to have you on the show, man. And again, what great subject matter, Redbone Wayne Locke, and what great information. And, and everybody's going to get fired up wanting to buy Montana decoys. And Montana decoys, by the way, is going to give everybody a twenty percent discount. If you order for their website and you tell them ARO sent you with a twenty percent discount, awesome. You bet. That is awesome. Yeah, we got a uh, we got a promo code for that, so set up for you guys. And, and it's uh, when you go at checkout, it's R O O T S number twenty. Uh, so Roots twenty. And uh, that gets you the twenty percent discount. There you go, Roots twenty. And we'll have that link uh, posted on the um, on our, our podcast post. page, uh, so they, people can click right on it, along with clicking on the link to the Montana Decoy uh, website. Uh, Jerry, Great. tell us what's the, what what is the what is the website again? It's montanadecoy.com. There you go, twenty percent off. Type in Roots twenty. You go get twenty percent off and get your decoys. Again, thank you for being on the yeah. show. Great information. We want to have you back on again. We're looking forward to killing some turkeys with the Montana decoys with Wayne, Redbone, and I and our team ARO. Uh, we appreciate you being a part of us for the next two months, and uh, hopefully we move your needle enough for you. you look at us for the fall and say, oh, man, we got to work with these guys. And remember, yeah. share the outdoors, yeah. Jerry, because I know you do. You share the outdoors with your kids. And, again, thanks for being on the show. And what do we say? When your roots run deep and strong. There's no reason to fear the wind.